This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's Friday night. It's the preview show. It's the No Name Ever podcast. Welcome to the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, but joining me is the headliner, the main man himself, the absolute boss of the preview show, and that is, of course, Dave Statman-Roberts. Dave, good evening. How are you? How was your international break? Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it, since uh, since we were mm. we got together to to record the preview show. It's uh, it's come round quick again, though, and we're uh, we're ready and raring to go, aren't we? Although it's going to be a, a tricky one on Saturday. Yeah, they're all tricky ones at the moment, aren't they? But yeah, it does. It uh, it does seem to fly, but also it feels like a long time. We do miss you when we don't speak to the international mm-hmm. break, do you? Are the team do 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 miss you? Um, we have got therefore lots and lots to talk about in this week's episode because we've got all the things that we got up to in the international break to catch up on. We've got a game to preview. We've got some community news. We've got quiz questions. Obviously, game week seven of the fantasy Premier League as well has been going on. So goodness me, we have. Absolutely loads to do. Um, Now, it's been a while since we spoke to you. Uh, We didn't set out an analysis show last week. Um, I think mainly just because everyone was a little bit tied up. But quite frankly, I think by the time we all got off that Norwich game, everybody was a little bit down in the dumps and a little bit jaded with the whole thing. I think everybody just wanted to just draw a line under it and sulk for a bit and come back after the international break a little bit refreshed. So we haven't, we didn't succumb you to. Sorry, not succumb you. We didn't subject you, sorry, to an hour's worth of, of us being depressed about the Norwich result. But instead, we asked the man of the hour, the team player who always steps up and helps us, Tom Whitaker, just to record us a few minutes of his thoughts from that Norwich game. Hi all, it's Tom. Just a few thoughts about the uh, the Norwich game, just to touch on. It's a difficult one to get an hour podcast out of uh, in terms of events, not a lot going on. I think it it was a real low point of the season so far. I think Leicester being our best performance of the season, I think it's fair to say that Norwich was easily our worst. Very one-dimensional. Uh, we've always struggled in the past with teams who, who come for a point against us. We saw that a lot last season as well, but uh, we really looked short of ideas, especially when Vidra went off injured. I think without Corne and Vidra, we just don't look like the same attacking force at all. 
um, a lot of uh, unrest in the stadium. Obviously, everybody very disappointed with the performance level, the fact that we're playing such a poor team. I mean, Norwich already looked destined for the championship. They had no ambition to come and win. I don't know what games they're actually targeting to win this season because you'd think with zero points on the board, you'd fancy your chances against another team with no wins. But they came for a point from the first minute and you, know, you could tell they were delighted to get it at the full-time whistle. And let's be fair, they got it quite comfortably in the end. The only sort of real um, chance that we we really looked like we, we'd have to, to get in, in front in the game was the penalty that should have been given. Obviously, Tim Krull punching Matty Vidra in the face. Once again, VAR proving it's not fit for purpose. What is the point of having someone sat? Well, what's the point of having Lee Mason sat watching anything he hasn't got a clue in the first place? But why you'd have him sat watching a screen, watching a, a video of a man getting punched in the face and deciding that there's no infringement being committed there? Unbelievable decision. The frustration is, given how toothless Norwich were, you have to say if we'd have got that penalty and scored, we, we probably would have gone on a 1-0. One, one uh, would have been a big boost for our season, but we've passed that opportunity up. Um, and obviously with, with the game on Saturday, it's not traditionally a happy hunting ground. You wouldn't expect us to come away with anything from, from the Etihad, which means there's a lot of pressure placed on the games against Southampton and Brentford at the end of the month now. Um Hopefully, Cornet and Vidra coming back after the international break will, will give us a new dimension. Obviously, we're not expecting great things against Man City, but the performance level has, has simply got to improve massively uh, for the Southampton and Brentford games. We need to be targeting at least four, possibly six points from those two fixtures. Uh, we need to get the season kickstarted sooner rather than later. We've let a fantastic opportunity slip on Saturday to do that. Refereeing decisions aside, you know, we've had more than enough of the ball in the second half to, to, to cause any team problems, let alone the worst team in the league by some distance and, and we haven't managed to do that so hopefully it's a turning point hopefully we look at some changes being made I know I said on the podcast a few weeks ago I wasn't too bothered about dropping Taylor but um, probably his, uh, his attacking bluntness maybe showed in that game he put the same cross into the box about 50 times stood it up to the back post where there was nobody um, so perhaps I should look at changing things up in the next few games maybe giving Peters a chance maybe playing Cork instead of Brownhill um, remains to be seen, but um, you know, we with with the next game being a really difficult one to get anything out of, we uh, we really need an improvement in, in at least performance leveling and get a bit of belief back, not just into the players but among the supporters as well, because I, I really did sense for the first time after after the Norwich game that that a lot of people are a lot less confident about staying up than they were this time last season and, and I'd certainly count myself among that number. Excellent. Well, what we didn't do instead, not excellent, obviously, because Daniel Dumps, but excellent that Tom managed to, to fit that in for us. So thanks, Tom. Um, now, what we didn't do, we didn't just get lazy listeners. We didn't just take two weeks off and do nothing. Um, the team were very, very busy and you know how much the Non and Ever team likes to treat you to international break specials. And this week we did just that. Panelists, panelist George Poole and our very own Dave Roberts sat down with Barry Kilby. Um, it is now live. You can go to the website and check out the episode or you can download it from the usual podcast providers. But if you haven't yet had a chance to listen to it, do please go and check it out. I mean, Dave, he was a phenomenal guest, wasn't he? He was everything we wanted and more. He was, yeah. Barry was fantastic, yeah, regaling us with uh, memories from his time as a, a youngster. His uh, father was a, a big Burnley fan back in the day, went to all the uh, away games in, in Europe, but he was a, a Burnley fan home and away for many years. 
um, and got Barry into uh, to Burnley, obviously, as a youngster. Um, and then going through his time as chairman, obviously the work he does now with the um, Barry Kilby Prostate Cancer Appeal um, and some really good stories in there. So, uh, yeah, really, really good listen and, uh, yeah, a fantastic hour with Barry, myself and George. And uh, we found out a lot and I hope our listeners will as well. How did you, uh, what's your favourite bit out of it? Without obviously giving any spoilers, which section did you like particularly? Um, I, th- I think probably the early part. I mean, we we, we know in, in terms of his time as a chairman, he came in in uh, 1998. The club wasn't in the best place at that time. He invested money in the club. And I think that's been a big driver uh, to take us forward. We can't uh, underestimate that. But I think we kind of knew that story. What I didn't know quite as much was kind of the early times and, you know, the, the, his, his father uh, being involved, getting him as a... Um, and, and there's one particular one which will come on. I won't spoil it, um, but we've got a, a quiz question that relates to that later. So I'll uh, I'll leave that for uh, later for our listeners. But that's a, a good, really good story that uh, related to a particular match that he went to with his dad. Excellent. Now, Speaking of quiz questions, of course, you set our listeners a particularly tough one because they had all of the international break to mull it over and submit their answers. So before that Norwich uh, preview, we asked you, well, Dave asked you, I say we like I take credit for this, it was Dave. Um, Dave asked you, what was it, where were we? In Burnley's current spell in the Premier League, which is since 2016, which opposition player has been captain against Burnley on more occasions than any other player. Now, Dave, we got a vast array of guesses for this. Can you tell us what the answer was, please? I know I didn't get it right. Um, well, actually, I'll start by listing some of the players that it wasn't. Um, some mm. of the wrong guesses were received. Uh, it wasn't Troy Deeney. It wasn't Casper Schmeichel. And it wasn't Lewis Dunk, although they oh. were all up there. When we look at it, there are... There are 10 players who had more than five. So we think about it, we've had five full seasons and a little bit. And the maximum you could have had is 10. Obviously, some teams haven't played in all those seasons. Sure. Uh, but we've had uh, Troy Deeney of Watford. Uh, we mentioned he had seven. He was the second. Um, other pl- players, Kasper Schmeichel was on six. Uh, Lewis Dunk was on five. Um, and one player it certainly wasn't was Harry Kane. Um, as the correct answer was his Tottenham teammate. Uh, Hugo Lloris. Um, he's oh. captain Spurs for all but one of their Premier League games against Burnley since 2016-17. Uh, Harry Kane was actually Spurs captain for the other match, uh, in which Hugo Lloris didn't play. I assume he was uh, injured for that one. Uh, but despite being England's captain, Kane has only rarely captained his club side. So that perhaps caught a few people. Well, it did catch a few people out. We had a, a couple of guesses for Harry Kane as well. Yeah, they caught me out. I guess Troy Deeney, and I think my second guess might have been Cassius Michael as well. But uh, yeah, I would, I would never have got Hugh Lloris. That was a great question. Albeit a little bit of a tricky one, young Dave. I think you uh, set our listeners a very tough challenge for the international break. So let's see what you do this week. Listeners, do stay tuned because Dave will be setting you another quiz question at the end of the episode. So please do tune in. Premier League head to head. Okay, Dave, let's get down to it. We have probably the most unpopular fixture of the season anyway, and also the one fixture we didn't want after that awful run of form for the first seven games of the season. It is, of course, our trip to the Etihad. It's Manchester City away, Saturday the 16th of October, 3pm kickoff, and Kel surprise, 
Once again, it is not televised anywhere in the UK. So, why don't you kick us off with the history of this fixture by telling us all about the Premier League meetings? Yeah, this season we're providing you with our head-to-head record between the clubs in Premier League games, either home or away, depending on the venue. So we've played Manchester City in each of our previous Premier League seasons since 2009, and we're still awaiting that first elusive win. Uh, We started off reasonably well. We had draws in our first two away games against City. That was in uh, 2009-10 and also 2014-15. And we will be mentioning one of those games in a little bit more detail later on. However, following a narrow 2-1 defeat against the 10 men of City in January 2017, that was following the first half sending off of Fernandinho for a foul on Johan Berg-Gudmundsen, the results of our more recent visits make rather grim reading for Burnley fans. Uh, All of our last three league visits have all been 5-0 defeats. And you can also throw in yet another 5-0 defeat in the FA Cup in January 2019, meaning that our last four games there have all been 5-0 defeats. So I think it's fair to say that we're all hoping for an improvement this Saturday. Yeah, we certainly are. We're hoping for one. We're not necessarily expecting one, I don't think. Um, What about the memory match then? Which one have you picked for this? Uh, Well, as we mentioned, we're still awaiting our first Premier League away win against Manchester City. And it's over 48 years since we won any away game in the blue half of Manchester. That was a 1-0 win in the 1973 Charity Shield, which was held at Main Road. Uh, But we have to go back even further, over 58 years, to March 1963 for Burnley's last away win in the league, which was also at Main Road. Uh, So we're going to focus instead on one of our two Premier League draws at the City of Manchester Stadium. We drew our first Premier League visit, that was 3-3 in November 2009. Uh, In that game, we took a 2-0 lead, but then having to rely on a late equaliser after City stormed back, uh, it was substitute Kevin McDonald who came up at the end with uh, an equaliser. But we've highlighted the match... um, that match previously on the preview show. So we're going to focus on the match the next time we played them. There, that was in December 2014. Um, In this particular game, we had uh, Manuel Pellegrini was in charge of Manchester City. Uh, Sean Dyche was obviously Burnley manager by then, and Burnley captain was Jason Shackle. Uh, We had 2,900 Burnley away fans there to watch the game. Um, In terms of the way the game panned out, it was a tricky start. City took a 2-0 2-0 lead into the half-time break after goals from David Silva and Fernandinho. So Burnley were facing an uphill struggle to try and get back into the game in the second half. But we did pull a goal back within a couple of minutes of the break. A low shot from Danny Ings. That took a deflection off George Boyd to wrong foot Joe Hart and nestling in the back of the net. And we kept at it and we were eventually rewarded with an equaliser thanks to a well-taken, powerful shot from Ashley Barnes, who scored with a spectacular shot into the top corner. Uh, So, yeah, we came back from 2-0 down at half-time at City, and we got a 2-2 draw. And we'll be looking for more of that sort of battling spirit that Burnley showed in the second half back in 2014, if we're to come away with anything this Saturday. Yeah, definitely battling spirit. On this day! Um, What about our On This Day? Day feature, please. Yeah, well, Burnley have a a good overall record in games played on the 16th of October. Uh, There have been 10 victories in 18 games. That's starting with a 2-0 home win over Burton Swifts in 1897. Uh, Tom McClintock scored the first goal, 
although there was such a scramble in the goal mouth of the second that newspapers of the time do not credit a goal scorer. And it goes down in the record books merely as a scrimmage. Uh, That victory kept Burnley at the top of the second division. Uh, We played four more times on October 16th before the outbreak of World War II, with a goalless draw at Barnsley in 1909, followed by three more victories. We had a 1-0 win at home to Bradford Park Avenue in 1920. Uh, We had a a thumping 5-1 away win at Ewood Park. That was in 1926. And in that game, it was 1-1 after uh, 80 minutes. Uh, Four of those goals for Burnley were scored in the last 10 minutes to make it 5-1. And we had a 3-2 away win at Plymouth Argyle in 1937. Uh, We tasted defeat on this date for the first time in 1948. As Huddersfield Town came to Turf Moor and won 2-1, but the next five matches between 1954 and 1973 were all Burnley wins, although we needed an extra time to knock Carlisle United out of the League Cup 3-2 in 1973. Uh, The match on 16th of October 1976 was Burnley's 3,000th league game. When the visitors, Charlton, raced into a 4-1 lead after 54 minutes, it wasn't looking good. But Burnley stormed back to earn a 4-4 draw. Uh, Six years later, in 1982, we faced Charlton again. This time at the Valley, but we lost 2-1. We got back to winning ways in 1993 with a 1-0 win at Bradford City. Marlon Beresford saved an early penalty before Adrian Heath scored the only goal of the game. Since then, we've drawn away games at Millwall in 1999. Ipswich in 2004, and there was a 3-3 draw at Sheffield United in 2010. Uh, Matt Lowton was on the score sheet for the Blades that day. Uh, Our most recent game on 16th of October was a 3-1 defeat at Southampton in 2016. Ex-Claret striker Charlie Austin scored two of the Saints' goals. So Burnley's overall record on 16th of October is played 18, won 10, drawn 5 and lost 3. With just one win in the last seven, our better results are definitely skewed towards the past. Yeah, that's a common theme at the moment, Dave. It feels like everything at the moment is skewed towards the past. The present's not treating us too fairly, so hopefully that will start to change soon. Club Connection! Um, Club Connection then. Obviously, this is one of our new features for this season. Uh, We take a look at a player who spent time at both clubs and focus on one player in particular. How did we we decide who we were going to pick this week, Dave? Was it a poll? Was it Dave Goes Rogue? What was it? Uh, Well, what I did this time, I listed the details of 28 players who've represented both clubs since World War II, and I invited suggestions via our social media channels. Uh, Ben Mee is the only current player, so we were looking for a prime candidate from the other 27. Uh, The suggestions were the likes of Mick Doherty, Mike Summerby, Adrian Heath and Joey Barton. They were all put forward. But there was also a suggestion from Patrick Walton for Gareth Taylor, and that's who we're going to focus on today. Oh, Gareth Taylor. What a player. One sent me a birthday card when I was a child. Did he really? Uh, Wish me a happy birthday. Yes, I bet you still got it, haven't you? I think I have it somewhere. I think I do. I was. I think I was. I, I like him as well because um, before Burnley got a proper women's team, and particularly before they went pro, Manchester City women were my team um, because they were from the northwest, and obviously they've got a lot of Leonesses playing in their team as well. So I supported them. And Gareth Taylor is, of course, um, the. But is he the first team coach? At Head coach, I think. I will let you. I will let you tell us in. Tell us all about Gareth Taylor. 
Yeah, well, after starting out at Southampton as a youth team player, Gareth Taylor began his senior football league career as a defender, would you believe, uh, with Bristol Rovers. That was in 1991. Um, It was during his time in Bristol that manager John Ward took over and saw his potential as a striker, and that's where he played the rest of his career. In 1995, he joined Crystal Palace before another move to Sheffield United the following year. Manchester City signed him in November 1998, and he went on to score 10 goals in 53 appearances for them, but started to fall out of favour. Following loan spells with Port Vale and QPR, he arrived at Burnley in another loan move in February 2001, and he stayed until the end of that season, scoring four goals in 15 appearances but he was then signed permanently after his contract with Manchester City expired. In total, Gareth Taylor scored 37 goals for Burnley in 106 appearances. Uh, Two of those goals were penalties, but of his other 35 goals, 27 of them were headers, a remarkable proportion. Um, He left Burnley and joined Nottingham Forest in 2003, and after spells at Crewe, Tranmere, Doncaster and Carlisle, he finished his playing uh, career with Wrexham. Uh, It was also a full Welsh international, scoring four goals in his 15 caps between 1995 and 2004. And following his retirement as a player in 2011, he returned to Manchester City in a coaching capacity, and he's been there ever since. After a spell in charge of City's academy, he was given a new role in May of last year, and as you mentioned, he was appointed as the head coach of Manchester City women. I'm sure that some of our older listeners may claim that someone like Andy Lockhead or Paul Fletcher was the best header of a football to play for Burnley. But for most of us, that player must surely be Gareth Taylor. Yeah, definitely gets my vote. Definitely gets my vote. Um, Did like Gareth Taylor. Good egg. Good egg. Scouting report! Um, Well, that's the end of part one, where we've obviously focused on the history of this particular fixture. So let's bring you right back to the present for part two, starting with our scouting report. Yeah, Spaniard uh, Josep Guardiola Sala, better known to most of us as Pep, uh, took over as Manchester City manager in February 2016. That was after successful spells in charge of Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Um, He's already guided City to three Premier League titles, an FA Cup and four EFL Cups, although he's yet to deliver the Champions League trophy to his UAE paymasters. Uh, more often than not, City have tended to play with a 4-3-3 formation under Pep Guardiola, with slight variations on this theme. However, since losing Sergio Aguero, City haven't really had what you would call an out-and-out striker to lead the line. Uh, this means that so far this season, the front three have often consisted of any combination of new £100 million signing Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez, Ryan Sterling and Gabriel Jesus, most of whom are perhaps what would be described as attacking midfielders rather than forwards. However, this hasn't particularly dented City's ability to score goals. Uh, Their main summer transfer business was, of course, the arrival of uh, Jack Grealish from Aston Villa for that uh, massive uh, record fee, although they did sign 18-year-old Brazilian winger uh, Keiki for £9 million and also backup goalkeeper Scott Carson. Um, Looking ahead to who might be the key players for City on Saturday, uh, we turn once again to the current FPL points totals for the season to date. After seven game weeks, it's a defender, that's Jao Cancelo, who tops the list of City players with 44 points. And he's closely followed uh, by Gabriel Jesus on 41, uh, Ruben Diaz on 39 and Edison on 35. 
However, we know all too well that City have quality and abundance in all areas of the pitch, and Saturday will be a massive challenge, especially taking into account our recent record there. Uh, in terms of their injuries, uh, they are missing... Uh, well, again, we're doing we're recording this early before the press conferences. We don't know for for certain, and there may have been some uh, injuries as well from the uh, internationals. Um, the players who were previously doubtful uh, was in uh, Zinchenko and uh, Gundogan, um, although they were expected to be back. Uh, Liam Delaps had uh, a knock, and uh, Be- Benjamin Mendes obviously uh, out suspended for other reasons. Um, there are doubts over the availability of Edison and Gabriel Jesus uh, due to the timing of the kickoff of Brazil's match against Uruguay. Uh, that's um, kicking off about thirty, just over thirty-six hours prior to Saturday afternoon's kickoff. So um, there are several other clubs that are affected by some of the South American uh, games going on, uh, and City is certainly one of them with uh, with those two players. Good. Can we get any more? Can we find any other obscure rules that we can get most of their squad <laughs> taken out? Dave, I'm really not looking forward to this fixture. It's going to be really horrible. Um, well, would you like to give your balanced view here on uh, the Known and Never preview show? And of course, you've only taken our word for it. So we have brought you this week an opposition view whereas we spoke to Jonathan Berry, who gave us his thoughts ahead of the match. Opposition view. Hello, I'm John. I'm a City fan. Um, these are my thoughts on the season so far. So, obviously, we didn't start so well. Defeat away at Spurs. But since then, you can see that the players have got back into the game. We had a lot of players in the late stages of the Euros. And I think that affected us. Uh, you know, Foden has come back in the last couple of games. And he's looked, you know, as fabulous as he did last season. Um, if you're looking since the start, the only real disappointment is drawing to all at Liverpool. Because I think we could have won that game. Um, but you would have taken that result before the kickoff, so I'm happy with that so far. So I think the season, I mean, again, it should be a, a brilliant, marvellous season for us. I think we'll fight on all four competitions. I think we've got a very good chance of winning the league. I think we'll win the Carabao Cup again because we love to win it. The FA Cup and the Champions League, you need a bit of luck um, to go all the way in those competitions. And that's, you know, I thought last year we might have had chance to... Um, get there and actually win the Champions League. But if it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world. At the end of the day, we're not playing Gillingham and York and Blackpool in Division 2. So that's great. As for the setup on Saturday, second-guessing Pep's ideas for formation is one of the great mysteries of life, really. Every now and then, he just comes up with something completely different. Um, But I'd be very surprised if we didn't go for the usual 4-3-3. Um, or four one two three, however you look at it, and it kind of changes into a three seven zero. So we'll go with a false nine, I'm sure. Um, I expect to see Edison in goal because apparently we're sending a plane over to Brazil to ferry them back, especially after their game on Friday morning, um, at two in the morning. So and Edison is vital to the way we play. I'd expect to see Ruben Dias and Emerick Laporte at the heart defence. Again, I think Rodri will probably play the defensive midfielder for us because he offers a bit of height, which is important against teams like Burnley. Um, then Bernardo, De Bruyne, Foden, Ferran Torres, and let's say Riyad Mahrez, um, and probably Cancelo and Walker would be our fullbacks. So Burnley haven't had the greatest start to the season. I think it's three draws and four defeats, but they've had some good results. I mean, getting a two-all draw away at Leicester 
you know, you have to be a decent team to be able to play against them. That was one of our better results this season. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Jay Rodriguez. Um, in an alternate universe, Ben Mee would have been our captain for the last 10 years rather than yours. So, you know, I expect Burnley to be strong. I like the way they set up. I like, you know... Burnt into my head is a two-all draw um, at the Etihad. I think it was like December 2014. I actually looked it up because it seems a lot closer to me than it previously was. But, you know, Ashley Barnes just gave our defence the runaround and that's how I expect Burnley to play. So if we're looking for a result, I was really surprised that we'd actually beat you 5-0 in this fixture so often recently. Um I expect City to win. I'm going to go for a 3-1 for the result. Um, and a goal for Jay Rodriguez, because I really like him. Um, I think I was at the game where he got his bad injury for Southampton. And it was a great shame to see. So it's really nice to see him back playing football again, playing in Lancashire. And uh, let's hope Burnley turn it around and uh, stay up. All the best to you. Confident and quite rightly so. Uh, moving on then, Dave, who have we got in the middle? Who's going to be our referee? Uh, well, it's the second time already this season that our paths have crossed with 50-year-old referee Martin Atkinson from Wakefield. Um, he's set to take charge at the City of Manchester Stadium on Saturday. Uh, he was a last-minute replacement when we played Everton at Goodison Park last month. So when we previewed that game, we didn't get the chance to review his updated profile and stats because it was, I think it was sometime on the, the Monday when we when they decided they were going to change the referee. Um, he's one of the more senior members of the select group of referees alongside several other officials who are now into their 50s, uh, like Mike Dean, Andre Mariner, John Moss and Kevin Friend. Uh, 22 of his previous 28 matches in charge of Burnley have been in the Premier League and our record in those games is not too bad. Although we lost the last two, that includes that recent game at Everton, and also a 2-0 home defeat to Manchester City in February, we actually won the previous six before that. Overall, we have won exactly half, so that's 11 of the 22 matches in the Premier League, which Martin Atkinson has been in charge of. He was also the referee for one other match between Burnley and Manchester City. This is again at Turf Moor, and that was the 1-1 draw in February 2018. Uh, he's shown three red cards in the previous 22 Premier League matches involving Burnley. Uh, one of those was to a Burnley player. That was uh, Ashley Barnes, who got a second yellow card uh, late on at Hull in 2017. And also two to opposition players. He sent off uh, Nemanja Matic at Chelsea in 2015 uh, for retaliation. And also sent off Hal robson Carnu for West Brom at Turf Moor in 2017. Uh, the video assistant referee on Saturday will be another guy we mentioned just earlier on. Uh, that's Andre Mariner. Great stuff. Statman Dave's Stat of the Week. I know we're not going to leave it there, though, Dave, because I know you like to treat our listeners. So why don't you dive into those deep pockets of yours and give everybody your miscellaneous Stat of the Week. Yeah, this week's bonus stat is all about one of Burnley's signings from the most recent transfer window. And considering this week's opposition, who else could it be but Maxwell Cornet? Um... He has a very handy knack of scoring goals against Manchester City. And he's managed to find the net four times for Leon in just three Champions League games, all of which were since Pep Guardiola took over as City manager. One of those was in Manchester. That was a 2-1 away victory in September 2018. 
followed by uh, he scored both of Leon's goals in the reverse fixture as the teams drew 2-2 in Leon a couple of months later. Uh, finally, he also scored the opener in Leon's 3-1 quarter final victory in Lisbon in August 2020 when all the final stages were played out in Portugal. And those goals haven't exactly been tappings either. So if there's anyone who might be able to change our fortunes after a dreadful run of heavy away defeats at the Etihad, then Maxwell Corney is surely a prime candidate to step up. Uh, he was an unused sub for the Ivory Coast in the second of their two games against Malawi in Benin earlier this week. But we'll have to wait and see if he's involved in the match this weekend. I kind of feel like Dyche doesn't really have much of an off, off, off option here. I mean, we created so little in that Norwich game. I and mean, this is Norwich at home, bottom of the league, and not had lost all six of their opening games. And we just couldn't break them down, which is just shocking. Um, I, I just think Dyche has got no choice but to, to, to play our most creative play and try and get something. But uh, I'd be interested to see what you think about that, listeners. Uh, drop us a line. You can tweet us at known and ever. Or you can email us at previewshow at knowninever.net. Tell us whether you think Maxwell should be playing, even if he's only 90% ready. Give us a give us a bell. Let us know. Um, well, I don't... I know we have to talk about the game day, but I just... I really struggle to get myself excited about this game. I think these are the kind of games that you want to be playing when you're in the Premier League. You want to go to the Etihad. You want to see our boys play against the likes of Jack Grealish, who's obviously an absolute football's newest superstar. But also, I really don't want to have to play them because it just feels like we're going to get beaten 5-0 again. And it's just, it's deflating, isn't it? It just feels like it's just not an, not an even playing field. It's difficult. And as we know, we have been there and we've well, not play badly, but City can just overwhelm you. And not just Burnley, they can overwhelm um, teams at the top of the table as well. We've seen that. They've they've um, annihilated um, the likes of Manchester United and, and Liverpool before as well. So um, it's not just us. They do it to other teams. And on their day, yeah, yeah they, they are scary sometimes. But... Um, it, it may be one of those where the, the you know the best we can hope for is 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 to to get a nil nil draw. It, it seems unlikely, but you never know. It's one of those where um, they have had a lot of players involved in internationals. There could be some weariness from that, from having played um, in midweek. They obviously well looking like they're going to lose a couple of players um, who've played out in uh, uh, for a match in in Brazil. Um, that's kind of kicking off late on Thursday, I think. So it's it, you know within 36 hours or so of Saturday's kickoff. So I don't think they're going to be available. So there's a, a few other issues there. Um, we've mentioned already that they don't really have an out-and-out striker. They do have s- some scary players in terms of um, attacking midfielders. And if you've if you've got two or three of them playing and they're on their A game, then you don't really need a striker. They've, they've shown that in the past that they can uh, they can score goals from anywhere on the pitch. Um, so it's going to be tricky, as we know. It's we we don't have too high hopes in terms of uh, of a result, but it's one of those where it's a case of well, you never know. You never know. No, I, I do know, and it's not really pretty. Um, dare I ask you for a goal prediction, please? Score um, prediction, not a goal prediction. Yeah, will it be five um, or will it be seven? What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go positive and say we're going to get a nil-nil draw. Wow. You think they're going to fail to score against us? Well, it has to happen sometimes. This is a 
this is a revelation. I'm, I'm gobsmacked. This is amazing. What a fantastic prediction. Oh, I don't feel like I don't feel like I can go ahead now and say we're going to get beat because you've you've put me on the spot there and you've you've really gone for it by giving us some positivity. I'm going to say we're going to win one 0 just because I'm 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 getting all I'm getting on board the Dave Roberts boogie train and I'm I'm all in here, guys. I'm all in. Dave Roberts predicts nil nil away at the, at the Etihad. I'm I'm in for it. Let us know whether you're on Team Dave. Or whether or not you're Everton a little bit closer to the real world. Um, let us have your goal, your goals, your score predictions, who scored, how they scored. You know the drill, guys. You can tweet us at None and Ever or email us at previewshow at noneandever.net. I'm shook, Dave. Absolutely shook. Right. Let's move on. Fantasy Premier League update. None and ever Fantasy Premier League. It is game week seven. is done and dusted before the international break. So we have a full, full, full update to give you, Dave. Take it away. Who are the movers and shakers? What's been going down? Yeah, well, after seven game weeks, we have yet another league update for you. And it's still very close in the upper echelons. At 17 points separate our current top five, who are... We have uh, Jaden Fitton is a non-mover in fifth place on 488 points uh, and is level with Andrew Smith, also on 488 points in fourth place. Uh, and then we've got three climbers, our next three. We've got Joe Elliott on 492 in third place. We've got Jack Toner, got a nice round 500 in second place. And our leader is Deck Clark on 505 points. So it's still still tight at the top, but our leaders are kind of... Uh, they're, they're, they're sort of pan, panning out, staying up there, and some familiar names that we've seen from uh, from previous weeks as well. Yeah, definitely. And shout out to Jack Toner. He's somebody I do know, so it's always nice to see him at the top of there. Um, what about the rest of us? How's Team Donner well, doing? Well, just before I do that, we, we um, obviously the, the, yep. that last set of matches marked the um, start of October. We've got three more game weeks before Ooh. we discover who our October manager of the month will be. Um, Andrew Smith was our manager of the month for August and Adam Major for September. And leading the way so far uh, for October is Paul Gibson with just one week. Uh, but he racked up an impressive 70 points in game week seven. So he's our current October leader in the uh, race for manager of the month. He is. And none of our managers have been in touch yet to claim their stickers. I've got them here. I've got the little sticker. I'm going to stick something on Twitter. Just through. I'm going to entice them with a little picture of the sticker. Say, come on, come and claim your stickers. You never know. Hopefully, Paul Gibson will win Will win November's? October's? October's. October's, and he'll be the first one to claim his. Let's see how that goes. Okay, now what about the rest of us, Dave? What is happening with Team None and Ever? Right, well, um, you're actually down slightly in the main league, down to 206th. Uh, that's with 351 points. It is considerably above the uh, the relegation places, so you, you're well, well safe, I think, where you are. Uh, but you are rooted to the bottom of our podcaster's mini-league. Uh, producer Matt oh. had a good week and overtook me, uh, but Adam Dennett is still out in front, so uh, better luck moving up the table this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm not going to beat you guys because you're all really good. The way I'm looking at this is that where I've been for the last, like, three seasons, I've never been this far up the table. I've never been mid-table before. I'm doing all right. You know, baby steps do it. Baby steps. Um, 
Team of the week, then. Who are the superstars in terms of the actual players, not the managers? Yeah, well, we're going to list the 11 players who would have earned you 120 points uh, if you had picked all of them, although that would have been extended further to 135 if your captain had been Diego Llorente of Leeds United. He scored 15 points, and if you'd had the foresight to triple captain him, you could have scored 150 points. Um, these were the other players in the high-scoring team of game week seven uh, in a 4-4-2 formation. Uh, we had, as the goalkeeper, was Tim Krul of Norwich, who I think if that decision had been given against him uh, for the uh, blatant penalty that VAR, well, the referee or VAR didn't give, um, he certainly wouldn't have been uh, in there, but he's, he's in there as it stands on nine points. Uh, our four defenders were the aforementioned uh, Diego Laurenti we've mentioned. We had uh, a couple of Chelsea defenders, uh, that's Chalabar and Aspilicueta, and also a Burnley player. We've got Charlie Ooh. Taylor. Charlie Taylor's in there as well as the uh, yeah. other high-scoring defender. Um, midfielders, we had uh, Mo Salah. Uh, we had Hoybier of Tottenham, uh, Andros Townsend and son of Tottenham. And then we had, surprisingly, two Wolf strikers, Huang and Jimenez of Wolves were the two strikers. Um, that was the theoretical best team, but in reality, one manager did get 102 points. Uh, they triple captain Mo Salah um, and was the highest scoring team out of over 8 million teams who've entered into the FPL so far this season. Wow, 102 points. I don't it was a tough I week, yeah. Yeah, but wow, that's massive. Well, we're going to have another FPL update for you when we do our next preview show, where we'll be looking ahead to our away trip to face Southampton at St Mary's. Um, but in the meantime, keep going, managers. Tell me, and you know what? Get in touch with me and share your little secrets. I'm doing well this season. I'm getting, I'm doing better than I've ever done. So any hints and tips? Not you, Adam Dennett, because you you give me duff pieces of advice. So all of you managers out there, apart from Adam Dennett. Pass me some tips. Help, help a girl out. Statman Dave's quiz question. Okay, let's finish off with a quiz question, Dave. I'm intrigued to see whether or not you've gone massively rogue and set an absolute stinker again, or whether you're going to give our listeners a chance. What have you decided to set, please? Well, it could be a free hit this week. Uh, we're going to leave you with a quiz question with the difference, as it ties in with this week's other podcast, uh, which we mentioned, in which George and I spoke with former Burnley FC chairman Barry Kilby. Um, he was very open with us, uh, telling us loads of interesting stories, and also revealed he'll be there at the Etihad this Saturday in the away end with the uh, pie chuckers, as he put it. Um, but he astonished us with a surprising revelation. So the question we're putting to you this week is, uh, which ground was former Burnley FC chairman Barry Kilby ejected from as a youngster along with his father? Um, although we'd never encourage our listeners to Google a quiz answer, although we do suspect that this ha does happen, we would positively encourage you to listen to our Barry Kilby special in which he tells this particular story. I was going to say, I like, I like where you've gone with that quiz question, Dave. Encouraging our listeners to go ahead and listen to our Barry Kilby special. I like it. Well, how once they've listened to the Barry Kilby special, how do they get in touch and submit their answers? Uh, well, you can tweet us or send us a direct message on Twitter. That's at never. You can email us, uh, previewshow at never.net, or you can reply to the post for the preview show on either the Never Facebook page or on YouTube. 
Excellent stuff. Um, well, that's all we've got time for this week, I think. Uh, let's wrap it up. Have we got any, any other business, any community news or fixture changes or anything like that, Dave? Uh, just one interesting thing to uh, mention. Um, on Saturday, I'm sure there's uh, lots of our listeners who will be uh, going along to Manchester for the uh, for the match. Uh, there's actually four Manchester City players who played in their 1967-1968 title-winning side, um, and they're going to be receiving belated recognition on Saturday. Uh, Paul Hintz, Stan Horn, Bobby Kennedy, and the family of the late Harry Dowd will be presented with title winners' medals. Uh, some years ago now, I made a suggestion that the players who played five or more games in Burnley's 1959-60 title winning season but didn't receive medals deserve to get them retrospectively. But it's only a recent rule change by the Premier League and EFL, which has been championed by Manchester City, which now allows this to happen. Uh, the three Burnley players are Ian Lawson, who played in eight league games and scored three goals, Trevor Meredith, who scored three goals in seven appearances, including the all-important winning goal against Manchester City at Main Road. That's quite fitting for Saturday. And that was in the final match of the season. And also the late Billy White, who scored two goals in six league appearances that season. Hopefully, Burnley Football Club will take note of what Manchester City are doing for their forgotten heroes, as well as the likes of Wolves, Everton and some other clubs who were doing the same for their past players. Uh, and finally recognise the achievements of Ian Lawson, Trevor Meredith and the family of the late Billy White, who passed away in 2000. Definitely. What a great campaign, Dave. Are you doing anything in terms of contacting the club and seeing if they have got this on their radar? So I feel like this, somebody needs to speak to the club about this. Um, I've been in touch with a couple of the local journalists who are, uh, are on with it, yes. Good. Excellent. Um, or if not, the next time that you're on the uh, Clarets player, you can... Just tell them. Just say, look, oi, sort it out. Um, is that everything? I don't have any other business at all, Dave. I think that's everything that we've got. Um, no fixture changes that I'm aware of. Obviously, guys, don't forget that the next round of the cup game um, at home to Spurs is coming soon as well. So if you haven't got your tickets for that and you want to have um, an attendance to that game, then that's coming up. Um, but otherwise, we are going to leave it there. Excellent. Another show under the belt. And let's hope for a change in the Clarets' fortunes. We can start being a little bit more upbeat on these shows because we're all getting a little bit... <sighs> um, my thanks as ever go to everybody who has contributed to making this podcast and getting it out there. Um, quick thanks again to Tom who um, spared us all the pain of having to relive the Norwich game and, and gave us his thoughts at the top end of the show. To Jonathan Berry for the opposition view and just making us all feel miserable as hell about this upcoming fixture. Um, Turf Moor Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for his specially recorded previous show announcements. Producer Matt, of course, who does a sterling job of getting all of these together. Um, quick personal thanks to, from me to George Poole, um, our Clarets Trust member and regular panellist who, along with Dave, took their time out this week to do that, especially with Barry Kilby. And um, it, was a, it was a long night and, and uh, they both all put a lot of hard work into making a fantastic special. So thanks to you guys, because that's, that's one for the archives is that when we can keep hold of that for, for prosperity and uh, look, about, look at fond memories with our Barry. Um, and finally, again, to you, Dave, for all the hard work you've put in in putting these stats together for the preview show. Um, a lot of hard work goes into this and I know you love it I know it's your passion but it's still 
a big time commitment. So we are all very grateful that you will share those with us. So thank you. Um, last but no means least, you the listener for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. We will be back. We're going to suck it up, guys, and we're going to do an analysis show next week where we look at what happened away at City and see if we can claw any positives from that and see if Dave was right with his nil-nil prediction. Um, so do join us on Tuesday as the panel um, hopefully start to look at where we can get this season moving. Um, and Dave and I will be back next Friday looking ahead to that away tie at Southampton. That has everything. So do get in touch if you've got any comments or questions and take care in the meantime. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Non Another Podcast. Until next time. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.